Thanks for joining us on the Gen Church Wa podcast of Generations Church. We are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. Right now, we are gearing up for the fall. If you haven't connected to an activity group or a ministry team, head over to our website, mygenerations.church, and take a look around. We would love to help you connect today. Now, every year, one of our pastors takes the teaching time for three consecutive weeks to teach a series that's been brewing in their heart. This is part of our vision to help generations to come know the name of the Lord and what he has done for them. It starts with raising up more communicators of the gospel. This month, Pastor John Grabhorn has revived his series, Making Room, People, Not Projects. I hope you enjoy the teaching from the scriptures. And it comes in John chapter 8. And the reason we read this each and every week is I know sometimes for some of you, week gets hectic and crazy. And this might be the only Bible that you get to experience throughout the week. So I just pray that you uh, listen into this and take this with your soul. So starting in John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery, and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him, in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left, with a woman in the center. Then Jesus stood up and he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus said, go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Let's pray. God, I've said that you are here, and in fact, you are. God, you've been here long before we arrived, wherever we find ourselves watching or listening. We just ask you to move, to open our hearts. God, to help us hear from you this morning. Help us be people who live and love like Jesus. God, we need you this morning. Help us to hear you clearly and be able to respond to you. Thank you for your love and for your grace. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. I know the mustache comes out. Thank you, Bruce. You guys are always complimenting me coming up. Listen, you guys aren't as good as the students last night. I got a, I got a pretty big ovation. It's okay. You guys have a lot to live up to. Richard, I hope you got that on video. But no. In this story, we see Jesus doing what Jesus usually does. In the morning, he goes down to the temple, and he begins to teach. And because he's Jesus, and his name's going around the area, a lot of people come around him to hear what he has to teach. They're interested 
They're intrigued. They've heard of this man, Jesus, and what he's been talking about, what he's been saying that's been different. And so a lot of people have gathered around him. They're sitting around him as he's teaching and talking to them around the temple. And the scribes and Pharisees find a woman caught in the act of adultery. And what they do is they drag her out and put her in the center of this teaching, in the middle of this temple setting in which Jesus is talking to all these people. They place her there in the midst, and they say, Jesus caught this woman in the act. The law of Moses says that what we are supposed to do, we are to stone her. Jesus, what, what do you say to this? And it's, it's interesting here in this next little verse, we, we see very similar to kind of what we talked about last week. There's another test. And other people pushing Jesus and seeing what he would do, how he would react, how he would act in this moment. And yet, Jesus doesn't say anything. Instead, he just bends down and he starts to uh, kind of mess around in the sand, or as one of the kids last night likes to think that Jesus was playing tic-tac-toe with himself in the dirt. Jesus, Jesus just stoops down in this moment. He's quiet right now. And it says that they continually ask, they continue to say, Jesus, hey, Jesus, why are you messing with the ground? Jesus, like, what, what, what do you say? Like, what, we, we brought this situation to you. Give us a response. And Jesus, after spending some time stooped down, he stands up and he looks at the crowd. And he asks them, he says, let him who is without sin amongst you be the first to throw a stone. And then Jesus once again, stoops back down into the dirt and continues in what he was doing. And it says over time, one by one, they each had this little bit of conviction in their heart. It was almost like Jesus had his little mic drop moment for them, the little statement. And just one by one, it began to convict their heart. From oldest to youngest, they began to leave until it was just Jesus and this woman standing here. I can't imagine what this woman's thinking as Jesus is just messing with the dirt and people begin to leave. The people that were riled up to accuse and stone her. But it's now just Jesus and this woman. And he looks at her and he says, where are they? Where are those who brought you in front of me? Where are those who wanted to condemn you? Have they done so? She says, no, Lord. And Jesus, you can imagine, probably has a little smirk right now. says, neither do I. I don't condemn you either. Go from here and sin no more. In this passage, I, th I think we see two types of people. We see two hearts. We see Jesus with the heart of an advocate, and then we see the others standing around with the heart of an accuser. Uh, I think often it's, it's easier to kind of to see the side of the accuser because it, it's a quick act, it's a response, it's the mob mentality. You have a crowd of people that are saying, this is what we have to do and what we should do. I mean, this woman's done something wrong, right? We should do this. And yet Jesus does something that, that's constantly just in critique and opposite of what they expect in this moment. They're trying to trap him, trying to get him to mess up, to do something that's critiqueful, that undermines what he has been saying this whole time. And yet, Jesus is slow to speak in this moment. And rather, Jesus gets down in the dirt or on the same level as this woman, as everyone else is standing above, standing down, looking down on this woman. Because it's easier to stand above and accuse and to throw the rocks, to critique, to make fun, to go along with what everyone else is saying in this moment of accusation. I mean, I, mean, I think we see that a lot kind of around our world 
You can't do anything but open up your phone to social media, turn on the TV, and constantly see critique, accusations. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they said this, they did this. You get the five-second clip, the 30-second soundbite of people just constantly saying, can you believe they just said that? Can you believe what they just did? It's what our world is constantly full of. It's constantly full of this fear, this level of division, polarization of people just pushing each other apart because people come from different lifestyles. They do things that contradict. They do things that they don't agree with. They have these different lifestyles. And yet what you see in Jesus in this moment is a patience and an an intentional movement towards this woman and not into going along with the crowd. And basically what he, he's showing here, he's basically asking them, how different are you from this woman? How, how much different are you? If you have no sin, if you have nothing to hide, go ahead and cast the stone. Just because yours isn't as much on the surface, isn't as prevalent, maybe it's hidden, locked away really well, and no one else knows. It doesn't mean that it's not there. And he says, we, we are all broken. We are all sinners in this moment. And Jesus begins to show this example of what it means to be an advocate, to say this woman needs love too. She needs grace as well. And what I love in this is it begins to beg the question of is, is the gospel, is our gospel big enough to welcome people into the family? Is it big enough that despite the backgrounds, the stories, the, the lifestyles in which people have, are, is it too much for God's love, for his grace, to be a part of the family and to be shown that same love and grace that we have been shown, to tell them that you are loved, you're not forgotten, you're not alone, and your story matters. What I... What I loved last night in seeing this, and I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of uh, some of the stuff that we got to see with the students. They, uh, they had this theme of your story matters. And one of the coolest aspects of what I got to see last night was friends of friends present here. Almost half of the students that were present and in the room last night have never been to a Sunday gathering. They've never been around generations. Some of them have no faith background. They've never uh, necessarily been consistent with a church or faith or anything like that. And yet, what you get to see is invitation into family. To say, hey, despite the story in which you have, despite the background in which you come from, despite whatever you are carrying with you, you are welcome. You get to have fun here. You get to play stupid, messy games and get, and get dirty with each other, but even to have real and honest conversation where students are sharing a little bit of their story, sharing some of their testimony, and being able to feel safe and comfortable to do so. It was, it was just a beautiful moment. One of, one of my favorite things that I got to see from last night is one of the students, who was a friend of a friend, came. and was saying, I'm kind of open to faith. I don't really know what I believe, don't know really where I'm at. And yet, during one of our workshops, I'll give Kyle a shout-out. He did okay with one of his. It, it, it was this workshop of how to share your story and how it aligns with God's story. And he had four things. Let's see if I, if I do well. It's creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Did I get it? I, I did good. I listen sometimes. 
And it, it, but, the, but the cool aspect was this kid who didn't necessarily have a declared faith or church background was able in a moment to grasp this, to see this, this overarching theme in which we see in the biblical story and how it correlates with our own. Not only did he just, he just grasp it, he turned it into his own illustration and way in which he would express it himself. And so what he, he used was this illustration of a vase. And he said, all right, we, we got a creator, right? A creator who, who makes us just like a creator makes a vase. And there's the fall where we, have, we, uh, we sin and we become broken. We become distorted from the image in which we were made. The vase gets broken. It gets shattered. And the thing that you, that you realize in the kind of the little humor of the illustration is the, the vase breaks itself. We break ourselves from the image in which God made us in. We step into sin. The vase is broken. And what you see is, is in the redemption. When you begin to gather the pieces, the fragments, the shattered shards of all of the vase, and you begin to put it together, and then the restoration is when it fully comes back and is put together and is, it is remade into how it was originally created. And the cool aspect of this is through a little bit of kind of leading question, the kid was able to identify that it's, it's not myself that can redeem and restore myself. Rather, it's Jesus that does that. It's Jesus through the Holy Spirit that we are able to be redeemed and restored. I mean, I mean, how, how cool is that for a kid who's never necessarily declared faith, has this understanding, but is able to come and be a part of something like that because a friend invited him in, allowed him to be vulnerable, allowed him to ask questions, to share a little bit of his story, and to be able to make that identification. Hey, I, hey I'm loved. That I, grace is shown to me, no matter how much I've fallen, no matter how broken I am, no matter the mess in which I'm in, even if I'm not to the redemption or restoration part, I, I can see it. I can see how God puts me back together. I can see how God wants me to be back in the image in which he made me because he loves me. It, it, was, a, it was a cool moment. Because what you begin to see in, in this passage is Jesus doesn't necessarily just have the, the words, but he has a physical posture that shows a spirit of love and grace. Jesus isn't standing over the woman, casting down blame or shame or guilt or anything like that. Rather, he's down in the dirt. He's in the mess. He's in the brokenness. He has a posture of love and grace where he levels the playing field. And he says, none of, none of you all are different. We're all sinners, broken in need of redemption and restoration. And what he calls the church to is to be a church who gets down in the dirt with the broken, the hurt, the messed up, to run towards those people to love and defend and to invite them in. To be a friend, to be someone, to help people move from strangers to friends to family means intentional time, means intentional effort. It means allowing people to share their story, to encounter people and allow them to encounter the love and grace in which we've seen. I, I say that and I, I hope that us in this room have been able to encounter the love and grace of Jesus. And if you haven't yet, I, I invite you to have conversation, to begin to ask some of those questions, to begin to seek that with others around this room. Because when you embrace that, when you encounter that, and you begin to understand the love that God has, it frees you from the sin. It frees you of the guilt and the shame that can often be cast down that can weigh us down and hold us back.
Because when we're able to fully embrace and understand that, yes, God, God loves me and restores me, that I don't have to be a broken vase. Rather, I am restored in how God has made me through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we're able to do that, we're able to share that with others, despite the story, despite the backgrounds they come from. And it's where I love, like we talk about story over sin. No matter the, the identity that people are cast upon, the past or the present in which they are dealing with, the lifestyles that they have, rather, we're, we're not identified and defined by that, but we're defined by God's story. And we cultivate that through relationship with others. It means intentional time inviting and investing in others. Uh, now, I, I'll be honest. I'm a bit of an introvert at heart. And it is not always the easiest for me to go up to new people and to invest in and ask questions. There, there's a bit of awkwardness that goes into it. I have plenty of those stories and shared a little bit with you all in that. I, whenever I get anxious, I, I throw up. No, we don't need another one. It's okay. I told, it, I told a really bad one to the students last night. I'll let them uh, handle and deal with that. But what, I, what I've loved to see is that I, I've seen in this room I've seen from around here just a heart and passion for people, a compassion over an accusational heart, where we begin to see people for how God sees them and not see them by how the world defines the standards they set, the way in which they get defined by that. Rather, it's through our relationship and connection with others that people begin to encounter God because God will work through you and work through us so that when you're out on the golf course with somebody, when you're out fishing, you're out on the softball field, and you are around people, and people begin to share a little bit of their life, and they begin to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I, I don't know how I feel about that, but you get to share the same hope that you have encountered. That I, I've been such a cool moment of just some of our softball team. I, I've loved a little bit of that this season, and just seeing some of our uh, people around generations adopt that of where you're able to invite people who are non-Christians onto the team, and just even in just the warm-up before the game, beginning to say, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What's some of your background? What are the things you enjoy? What motivates you? What, what's encouraging? But to even begin to have some spiritual conversations in that. Where does your hope lie? Do you have a church background? How, have you, have you uh, encountered Jesus? Have you had these type of moments? And, and it's been such a cool opportunity to be able to have field questions, and encourage others in those way. And it only happens when we take intentional time to be around people, to be a little, a little more contradictory to what we see in culture where it's the accus uh, accusation, push people away, divide, but rather say, hey, I'm going to embrace the awkwardness. I'm going to embrace us looking different, sounding different, coming from different places. You know, we might not like the same thing. That's okay. We can still sit down and have a meal together, and I want to hear how God is at work in your life, even if you don't know God's working at all. Jody, I loved last week when, when you were just sharing, just even the, the subtle just asking of a question to someone uh, at, the, at the dentist of just how a difference like that can make in someone's life. When you're able to be present for people and show them a love and grace that we have been shown. Because it's God that redeems and restores. It's not us. But God is able to use us in that. And so th this whole series, I mean, kind of my whole just sharing from my heart is really the journey I feel like God is taking us. 
of how do we identify those who are in proximity to us that we might not even know. Those who are broken, who are messed up, who maybe have been told their whole life that they're not worthy, that they're not allowed to be a part of something, that they are weird, they're different. They, they've been cast on a lot of guilt and shame. To be able to identify those around us and to begin to take some time to invest in their life. And that means we take time out of our week, as tough as that is. Time is, time is gold, right? Time is where our heart is, and if we're not taking time to be around other people, is our heart really for others in our community? So it means we're going to invite some people to dinner. It means we're going to go meet someone for coffee. We're going to go do a shared activity with somebody, and, you know, darn, that means you have to go play a round of golf with someone. Darn, you know? But, but to be able to take the opportunity to invite those into proximity to connection and relationship and to begin to share how God is at work in your life and how God wants to work in theirs. So when we do that, then we're going to see people begin to encounter God in the way in which we have his love and grace that saves, that restores, that redeems us. So as this morning, as we, as we go about this, I that's kind of my encouragement and my hope, is that as a community, we embrace this, this compassion, this heart for others, and what it looks like to go and pursue those who are in proximity to us, not just in a, hey, I, I got to know your name just so I can check off the box that I know who you are, but to begin to spend time with them, because you might be the only time or place in which they've truly experienced the love of God, because everyone else around them is is more of like the Pharisees and the accusational, and the, you might be the first person that shows them the compassion and love in which they might need. Will you pray with me? Father, I'm grateful for opportunities where we get to gather. God, I, I, I genuinely love when we get to gather to worship you, to glorify you, to spend time with one another. God, we do this not just not just to check a box, but rather, God, because we want to build community and family with those around us. God, we are seeing how your family is expanding. And sometimes it begins small and it grows large, but God, it begins with us stepping out in faith and understanding, oh God, your heart for others, how you call us to that. God, I pray that we are able to take the characteristics and priorities of Jesus and allow that to transform our hearts to embrace that, God, you tell us that we can be redeemed and restored through you. God, it's only through you that we can do that. I pray that we're able to embrace that, accept that, and feel that within ourselves and to begin to share that with those around us who might need to hear the same thing. Father, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.